This is Allison Janney. This is Matt Balmer. This is Donna Murphy. This is Jesse Tyler Ferguson. I'm Octavia Spencer. This is Ben Platt, and you're listening to Little Known Facts Podcast with my favorite person on the planet, Alana Levine. A-OK. Welcome to Little Known Facts, a podcast where you will hear unfiltered, raw, honest, and uniquely funny interviews with artists you love as they talk about the art they love to make. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. If you know me, you know how obsessed I am with live performance. To me, nothing replaces being in a theater and the lights going down and the orchestra starts to play and that first moment of magic. And I know the way I feel about theater, some people feel about sports or opera or dance or comedy or food. And what if there was a place that you could go and find out which live events are going on near you that night? And then for a discount price, you can get off your couch, put down that clicker, and experience the magic that is live performance. Well, there is a place, goldstar.com. You just go to that website, you type in your city, and every amazing live event will be listed at discount prices. Theater, dance, comedy, film, food, concerts, sports. No more staying home. You are going to go out and build memories and experiences that expand your mind and heart through live performance with goldstar.com. Goldstar is in 26 cities around the country with over 8 million members already signed up to find out what event is going on near you. So go to goldstar.com, get out of your house and build memories that are magic for you and your family. Expand your mind, expand your hearts. Go see live performance by using goldstar.com. Tell them Alana sent you. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Hey, I heard you need an inspiration. He's a lot of and friends with some revelations. Little known back to the day. Every little thing's gonna be A-OK. Hey everyone, new episodes of Little Known Facts drop every Monday and you can find them on your favorite podcast provider. Also, if you go to the website, littleknownfactspodcast.com, you'll find behind-the-scenes photos, videos, and interviews, and lots more on the gallery page. And if you are loving these intimate, candid conversations with all the artists who come on the show, please head over to the contributions page. I depend on these donations to continue to bring you these interviews every week. So if you love the show, please donate. Little known fact about my guest today, he was a shy high school kid ready to go home and watch Jerry Springer after school when another kid walked up to him and said, hey, there are tryouts for a play at school tomorrow. You should go. Reluctantly, he went. He got the part. He was cast as Seymour in Little Shop of Horrors, and the rest is history. Welcome George Salazar to the podcast. I'm high above the city. I'm standing on the ledge The view 
and I step off the edge And now I'm falling, baby, through the sky Through the sky I'm falling, baby, through the sky It's my car Will you slate your name for me? Yeah, George Salazar. There you go. <laughs> hey, everyone. My guest today is George Salazar. He is best known for originating the role of Michael Mell in Be More Chill and for his Drama Desk-nominated performance in Off-Broadway's The Lightning Thief, The Percy Jackson Musical. He starred in the Broadway revival of Godspell, the Off-Broadway revival of Tick, Tick, Boom, and in David Byrne and Flatboy Slim's Here Lies Love. On television, he has appeared on Bull and Divorce. He sings on many cast recordings, including George Salazar and Joe Iconis, two-player game, Be More Chill, The Lightning Thief, and Godspell. Welcome, George, to the podcast. Oh, my God. Thanks for having me. It is so amazing. The joy of my new career, apparently, as a podcast host, which is probably the first time I've said it, my career as a podcast host, is getting to dive deep through the glories of Google and YouTube um, <laughs> and, and, and stalking. I hope you have a good, like an ergonomic office chair. I don't. <laughs> so listeners, if you want to forget Patreon, forget PayPal, just I need a good ergonomic a good chair. Yeah. I I feel like um, I need those, I need ergonomic things for every aspect. Do you have an ergonomic yeah. drum set? Uh, I don't have a drum set. So you just use other people's drums? Yeah, I just rent studio space. I feel like it's impossible to have one in New York City. I, I just get sort evicted. of buried the lead, which is not only are you an incredible performer, singer, actor, dancer, you're an incredible drummer. Uh, I would not consider myself a dancer. I would definitely say someone who can maybe move. Okay. I'm uh, so sad this isn't a visual <laughs> experience so we could show the people at home how you dance. <laughs> Step touches and clapping on one and three. That's my specialty. See, that's fancy. <laughs> ling that's choreo lingo. You know what to do. When you see a number taped to the floor, you're not like, why did someone put a number on? You know exactly what that's for. Yeah, I always go, can I stand at zero? And they normally say, no, George, keep going. You're yep, fine. Yep, off stage, keep going. You're fine. Out the theater. Yeah, that's it. You're keep going. so close to not being on the stage, and that's exactly <laughs> where we want you. When I did my one and only musical, because my, my milieu is not musical theater. I love going to it. It's not something I've done a lot of, but when I did Charlie Brown, I just kept saying to everyone, like, Jerry Mitchell, the, like, anyone involved, like, this is a mistake. This is a mistake. I'm happy to, like, hand out the, like, the programs when people come in, whatever you need, but to be in it seems absurd. And I remember Jerry Mitchell being like, you are going to look like a dancer. Like, when people see this show, they are not going to, like, Look at Alana Levine and go, oh, she's the only one who can't dance. That's 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 the sign of a good choreographer. In my in my experience, I feel like I've only worked with well <laughs> Chris Catelli, genius. Chris Catelli made us all look like dancers yeah. in Godspell. Chase Brock is really great at making us all he's the choreographer for Be More Chill. That's a really good name too. Chase Brock. It's yeah. like a soap opera. Is that oh his real God. name? That's his real name. It's Chase Brock. Yeah, hey, how's it going? I'm Chase Brock. That's not at all what he <laughs> no, sounds like. He's a choreographer <laughs> in the theater. So his voice would be the opposite Pitched of that. a little higher <laughs> with, a, with a little more cutting sass folded into it. Yes. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, no. Uh, thank you. That's all. Those are all very sweet and nice things. Yes. And I would like to yes. spend a lot of time with you all the time. Yeah. I uh, feel like that's possible. <laughs> Isn't this podcast booth cozy? This is Where amazing because typically the podcasts that I, that I do are in people's kitchens. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, not to diminish in any way no, people's kitchens. Not. But this is not a kitchen. No. I'm sure there is a kitchen. There is. I just got your smart water in it. <laughs> <laughs> the fridge there. These are fancy, fancy digs here at Hangar Studios. Yeah, we are, I love it. There's I a security too. camera in here. It's also nicer than my apartment. <laughs> and I and I have a pretty nice apartment. So there's that. Speaking of which, you grew up in Miami. I grew up in Orlando, Florida. In Orlando. Yeah. Not Miami. I'm confusing you with Jen Tepper. Jen Tepper, we get that a lot, actually. <laughs> You're like twinsies. <laughs> so weird. Uh, yeah, yeah. I grew up in Orlando, Florida. Were you born there? No, I was actually, I was born in, in Staten Island. And my parents were like, we can't raise kids here. So we moved down there when I was four. And uh, and I was raised in, in, actually in Kissimmee, Florida. But I just say Orlando. Mm-hmm. It's so close. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was, a, it was an, a very interesting place to grow up in because we were 15 minutes from Disney I was just talking about this the other day with a friend. I was like, you know, the magic of Disney was kind of lost on me very early in life. That's so sad. It is kind of sad. Yeah. Um, And so because as a teenager in Central Florida, you have an annual pass. And like the hang after school was to just go catch the last couple hours of park opening at at Disney or at Universal. And so, uh, so it was kind of a weird way to grow up. It's like the way president's children feel about the White House. Yeah, they're like no biggie. This but shack, whatevs. Yeah. But all their friends want to come have sleepovers there. I'm sure, and they're like, "Can we just go to your house?" Yeah, I'm, yeah. yeah I'm tired of all these Secret yeah. Service guys walking around. So that was your upbringing. It was like living in the White House. It was like living in the White House. Yeah, exactly. Just with a uh, some, just not some sort of uh, strange man dressed up as Mickey Mouse. I had the most amazing experience at Disney World, so I didn't want to go. I had gone as a kid to Disneyland, and uh-huh. I just had this scary, like, you go on a ride too young, and it you're just scared forever. Yeah. No, that happens. That's a real thing. Right? So that was my real thing. But I had kids, and it's like, what, well, I was going to be the only parent who, like, didn't do this rite of passage. So we went to Disney World, you know, shooting up in the bathroom just to get through it. <laughs> and <laughs> Me too! <laughs> This may or may not be part of the final episode, but thank you for enjoying it. Um, Okay, I wasn't really, but I wanted to. Sure. And my daughter was, we were online. We got her the autograph book right away so she could get all of the autographs of all the famous Disney characters. The $45 autograph book. (laughs) I did a hack. I did like an Ikea hack. Oh, great. Look, she thought, George, if you're listening, it wasn't the real (laughs) Disney one, but you didn't know, and you're having a great life anyway. (laughs) And mom's thrifty, and it's paid off in other ways. Yes. Waiting online to see Snow White. Uh-huh. And the line is forming, and it's getting intense. It's like Meryl Streep in the park. Like yeah. Everyone's like, oh, my God, we got to go, right? And so she trips on a little twig, and I look at her, and I'm like, oh, George is like, is she bleeding out of her eye? <laughs> This is not the most magical thing that's supposed to happen. And I realize, okay, it's not her actual eyeball that's yeah, bleeding. God. Mazel to the eyeball. seriously. It's like just a big gash right under her eyebrow. And I'm like, gee, we got to go. It's Disney. You know, there's like a medical center filled with Mickey Band-Aids somewhere or something. And she's like, no, I got to meet Snow White. I got to meet Snow White. I'm like, okay. So (laughs) not one person, not one person, mostly adults online, by the way, creepy adults, will let this little six-year-old go to the front of the line. Not a one. I'm like, can we just, like, she's bleeding. She's gushing. Yeah, and, like, face wounds, they bleed out. They bleed out. Like, you're like, this looked like the opening of, like, the Spielberg movie. Yeah, like, some this sort is... of war film. <laughs> this is not good. This poor girl on the front lines of 
Cut to uh. Snow White. They arrive like, ah, and Snow White looks out onto the line and she sees Georgia and they're not allowed to speak because you can't know that they're really humans inside <laughs> right. who can speak. That her name real... is Sheila and <laughs> she like... went to ITT Technical <laughs> exactly. Institute. But really wants to be on Broadway. <laughs> and so she goes, she like motions for Georgia to come over to her and people are not happy. But it's like the humans part. It's sort of like Moses and the Jews <laughs> going across the river blood and it's her river blood yeah, yeah. and I swear to God she laid hands on my daughter and she healed her the blood stopped oh my god who is this woman where is she what's her Sheila, story now who went to- yeah <laughs> Where's Sheila? Sheila, if you're listening, thank you. She's like Tony Robinson in Joe. Well, who's the like the guy? Is it Tony Robbins? Ta- to- Tony yeah, Robbins. yeah, yeah, yeah. Tony like, Robbins. She's doing that somewhere, um, or she's selling things on HGD. But like, I'm not kidding. Healed her. Like, oh my I goodness. swear, the blood stopped. So I was the- wrong that Disney is magical. It is magical. I, I was, was wrong I was to just be a shooting jaded up in the bath. <laughs> Yeah, you and, we you and me both. Wrong. We're both wrong. So that's my Disney story, and it's I'm only exaggerating this much. Oh, my goodness. So I wish you'd had that happen because you might, I don't know, maybe you'd be an accountant now. I don't know. Maybe it worked <laughs> out the way it was meant to. <laughs> Such a long... Well, everybody, so... know, if, 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 uh, if there's one thing that people know about me, it's that I love doing taxes. <laughs> Who does it? It's thrilling. It's my favorite best. time of year. I wish it were April 14th every day so <laughs> I could just get to the post office like midnight or April 15th. Is it midnight on April yeah, 15th yeah, yeah. that you have to do it? Yeah. So you are of Filipino descent. Is yeah. that correct? Yeah. My, mo- my mother's Filipino. My father's Ecuadorian. So when you moved to Orlando, yeah. was there a big community for either um, Filipino or Ecuadorian. You know the thing about folk? Filipinos is even if there isn't, they'll find each they other. They make it. Yeah, and it's it's uh it's crazy. So it's it be it becomes like this huge family. So we did yeah that we had we had a, a ton of we had this whole like Filipino support group of friends, and we spent all of our I mean every weekend going to each other's homes and right. it's nice. So they Filipinos, weren't relatives. You, they just weren't people relatives. You met. Yeah, but Filipinos are, love family. Family mm-hmm. is a really important. Uh, part of of the culture and and so um, yeah so when they don't have their family nearby they create a family uh, which How is kind of your, like theater people totally so your dad from Ecuador your mom were they were they born in America or are they from Ecuador and the they're from their respective countries and their stories like I uh, I always I love telling the story it's Tell so it. sweet and it's like a it's like a lifetime movie so my mother Wait, let me write it down yeah write it down okay. screenplay act one um, scene one. My mother is a nurse. My parents are eight years apart. And, Who's uh, older? My mother. Okay. And my mom was in a tricky relationship, and um, and it maybe wasn't the healthiest. And she met my father. Uh, my dad was, at the time, he was like 22, 20, maybe 21, 22, super young. And he was just like the maintenance guy at this hospital in Staten Island. And they became quick friends. And there was a night where my mom was uh, in a little bit of danger. And so she contacted my father and he basically like borrowed a friend's truck. And this is, I mean, he's like in his early 20s. Uh, my mother had a, had uh, my older sister Janice. And so he drove this truck over and basically like moved all of their stuff into his like early 20s like bachelor pad, which was like Amazing. just full of cockroaches and sure. was disgusting. Yeah. And uh and that's how they started their life together. It was that... like my dad was like this like kind of Prince Charming speaking of Disney, Incredible. like a Prince Charming who kind of like came in and saved 
saved them. And um, and my dad raised my sister like like she was his own, and it was never never a thing. Um, and and we have a a, a very strong family. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's like a, it's a beautiful story. But yeah, they met. I mean, only in New York does a Filipino meet an Ecuadorian, start a family together. Yeah, it, it's and it's it insane. lasted, and it lasts. That's they're, what's they're still really together. Incredible. Yeah, yeah. So how many years have they been together? Oh my God, Thir- they just celebrated their thirty fourth wedding anniversary. So they got married. They got married. Yeah, my dad had me when he was twenty six. So you had a young dad. Yeah, yeah, and he's an amazing father. Uh, but yeah, twenty six. And he is a musician as well. Yeah, he's a drummer. He, I, I got the drumming bug from my dad. So, like as a kid, I, I wanted to play music. It was always an important part of our family. Mm-hmm. But I was like, you know, a stubborn kid and didn't want to play drums because my dad played the drums. Right. So I picked up so many instruments. Like what? The piano for a little bit and hated it. Uh, the guitar for a little bit and and hated it. Although I, I still play the guitar. But I hate it. But I hate it. The tenor the tenor sax oh that's it and so i i went through those three instruments and i was like these aren't exciting and i was like okay fine i'll try the drums mm-hmm. and that's where i was that was like my first passion was sitting behind a drum set and, and making a lot of noise in, did he play in band yeah so my dad that my dad loves telling the story about uh um, i wish he were here when, we should have him on the oh. show all right next time we uh we we so he would take me with him to band rehearsals mm-hmm. and he remembers like you know, me at three, going to a band rehearsal, and he said any time that he would hit the crash symbol, I would be watching and I would do it along with him. And so he he knew from early on that I was that I was gonna be musically inclined. But uh, yeah, and that's that's how it all started. Do you read music? I do read music. So when you are first day of rehearsal of any musical, yeah. and they hand out sheet music, yeah. you you know what you're looking at. Kind of, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, sometimes you work on things that are super complicated, mm-hmm. and, and it's not that easy. You just have to listen over easy. and over totally, again. Yeah. Totally, totally. Um, but yeah, I can navigate my way through. And that actually, I've learned that just from, honestly, really being in New York for 10 years. And I love working because it's not it's never just like a paycheck uh-huh. or a credit. I feel like I learn and get better from watching other people mm-hmm. uh, that I'm working with. So yeah, so it's always a learning process, always a student. And uh, and yeah, just I over time like have sharpened that skill. And here you are. Here we are. <laughs> so when did you like fall in love with performing? And maybe that's presumptuous. I feel having been in the presence of your performance that you love it. I love it. Okay. There's nothing else in the world that I would rather be doing. So as a kid, I was always like a class clown mm-hmm. and I was always... There was always like a performative nature to what I was doing. I remember the earliest thing is I was probably like seven or eight, and I would put on uh, these black pants that I had that were hemmed really high, and I'd put white socks on and black shoes, and I uh, like a big white shirt, and I would dance for my family to <laughs> Michael Jackson oh, okay. music. I was like, "Did you want to be in Book of Mormon? Like, what's happening?" <laughs> Hello. Um, you know, I would I would dance for them, and right. it's it's so funny. Like my they would like tip me. Uh, they would like sit in a circle. My mother would like put put like lawn furniture inside of the living room, and everyone would sit around and just like my my uncles and aunts would just like tip me. But that was the extent of it. Um, I I did band growing up, and then in my uh, junior year of high school, I 
was the class clown. So what I would I was a huge Weird Al fan. So uh -huh. I would like rewrite pop songs, uh -huh. and they would be like super raunchy. And I was that kid, right? And but there uh, was talent for it. Maybe I don't know. I wouldn't raunchy go that far. lyrics. I'm a terrible songwriter, actually. I'm okay. really bad at it. Glad you met um, Joe Iconis. Yes, thank God. Mm -hmm. So I remember I was uh, in a computer class one day, and I was singing lyrics that I had made up that were uh, not at all clever, or smart. They were just disgusting. And the uh, president of the drama club overheard me and was like, "You should. We're having auditions." later today after school for a little shop of horrors you should come in and my typical routine as like a really heavy set high school kid uh -huh. was to go home immediately after school make pizza rolls mm -hmm. in the uh, microwave and watch like jerry springer mm -hmm. or maury povich like mm -hmm. that was like that All was my, health yeah super healthy <laughs> yeah maybe a pop tart maybe maybe a box of pop tarts and so <laughs> he was like you should come and i was like no nah, i have plans yeah let me check my Sorry. schedule. Super busy. Yeah. And so he was like, no, really, you should come. It won't take very long. And so I said, okay, cool. I'll go. So I went. Pizza rolls shall wait. Yeah. They'll be there. Oh, yeah. They keep for a very long time. Yeah. As long as your freezer's, you know, Sometimes operating. Sometimes not even in a freezer. <laughs> it's all good. And so, yeah. So he, uh, so he, so I get there and there's auditions and I, I was like, I don't know what to do. Right. And so he was like, just pick a song from, from one of those books that you know. And I sang the Elton John version of Circle of Life. And the next day they cast me as Seymour in the show. And it was um it was crazy. And so we I all of a sudden I was doing theater and I loved it. I loved the community of people. I loved being around people like me. You know, I was a high school kid who was figuring himself out and through that I learned so much about myself. Uh -huh. And and like came out at the end of junior year to my friends. And it was like this really incredible um, moment in my life. And I couldn't stop from that point on. Uh -huh. And before then, mind you, I was in the uh, IB program in high school. Okay. Was super nerd, all about doing my homework, all about straight A's because I wanted That's to be. That's an international baccalaureate. That for is. For those of you who are not in an IB program. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and so I, uh, yeah, I, I wanted to be a neurosurgeon. And so my mother and you are. is a nurse. <laughs> <laughs> and you are. It's not, crazy. Not with these shaky hands, honey. <laughs> uh, yeah, I. Uh, my mom's a nurse. My older sister is a dentist here mm -hmm. in the city. And I have cousins who are doctors and nurses. And so I grew up in that bubble and uh, loved the idea of helping people uh -huh. uh, and serving people. And, and so, we're a great student. And, and I was a yeah, oh yeah, I worked real I mean I worked really hard. But it was and important to you. It was. And but then I found this theater thing and fell in love with it so fast and so hard. And you know by by my senior year of high school as I was applying to colleges, I was also like auditioning for schools for uh -huh. their their theater programs. And I think my you know my parents were surprised by it because it did I mean it was just came out of left field. Yeah, fast and furious. And uh and my dad being an artist in New York felt like he didn't want me to follow in those footsteps because life of an artist in the city or really anywhere is just it's tricky it's mm -hmm. hard and and he didn't want that life for me and he knew that I had been working really hard with my studies and felt like and still kind of feels like I would make it a, a terrific uh, doctor uh, and so it took a little so there was pushback from them there was a little pushback when you from them. changed course in this way yeah yeah um and it, over time they they my mother, my mother almost immediately like flipped and was like, "Yeah, number one fan." 
my dad, it took a little it took a little time to get him convinced. But I get it. He was scared for you or did Yeah, no, it makes the... complete sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm 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 still scared for me. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, it's it's a very like hard life to navigate. And um why am I not one bit scared for you? Not one bit. <laughs> Because you're delusional. Did you shoot up in the bathroom here? (laughs) Before Disney World and every podcast interview, (laughs) just a little bump. So when you say there, like your mom right away was like, suddenly Seymour, he was amazing. Was he amazing? Amazing. Like what, first of all, do you remember the name of the person in in high school who came up to you and said audition tomorrow? Of course. I uh, Every time I see him, uh, we're still friends. Uh, I tell him like nothing in my life would Isn't be possible incredible? without you. His name is Donald Roop. He actually became the drama teacher at our high school. Amazing. But he's he, and now he runs a theater company in Orlando and he's 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 amazing. He taught me how to sing. He, yeah. T- he taught me how to. I remember we we did these exercises because I was like, how do you make your voice shake? At the end of a note, mm. he was like, "Well, that's first of all called vibrato," yeah. and 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 he, you know, he gave me like these kind of like janky voice lessons. He's uh, very crucial to my story. Yeah, um, I think so much about that. The moments in your life where someone from the outside saw yeah. you, like saw you. Yeah, and then just kind of the whole course of your life changes because of one person. It's incredible. Yeah. It's incredible. It it gives me chills when when. We can kind of find that yeah. and distill it down. And and I think it's important that people remember those things. Yeah. You know, and, and not, recognize and it recognize and honor it, it and say yeah. thank you yeah. to those people. And you will at your Tony speech. <laughs> I know you will. When you made this change, was it like crying and screaming in your house like, I'm going or or not? Or was it not that dramatic? No, it wasn't of... that dramatic. I, I understood where they were coming from. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, I got it. Like, I understood it. Yeah. But I was still really focused on doing this, right? And so, so where did you end up? I went to the University of Florida. Mm-hmm. So it was a very small program. They, they it, When I got admitted, there were four of us in my class. So it was three girls and me. I, again, no audition experience. So there was a dance call. And I showed up in like baggy jeans mm-hmm. and flip flops. Perfect. And for some reason, this musical like theater, you do. yeah, like you do, <laughs> uh, this musical theater professor was like, uh, I mean, he's that completely clueless, but there's something about him, and yeah. so, uh, so he, I can he mold me him. In. Yeah, give me to him. Yes. Yeah, and so he, uh, yeah, he took me in, and um, the first time that I started to feel a shift from my dad was when, in my senior year of college, we did play George and Sunday in the Park with George, and um, my dad, who's like a macho guy, uh, I've seen him cry maybe like, I can count it on one hand, Yeah, he came up to me after the performance uh, just completely crying, and he gave me the biggest hug, and he said, I get it now. And I still, we still have... We still have moments like that mm. up until today, and I cherish those moments, and I remember them so vividly because they're just so meaningful. Yeah. You know, this is a this is a guy who didn't want me to pursue this, not because he thought it was stupid or dumb. It was all out of this like love and care, and that he didn't want me to have to like worry about where rent was going to come from. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so yeah, so uh, so he he. That's when he kind of that's when the the switch started happening. And I was like, thank God it's happening now because I'm graduating in like three yeah. months. Can I circle back for a second? Because you yeah, said you came out to your friends in your junior year of high school. Mm-hmm. Had you been out to your family? No, it took me a little time to come out to my to my family. My father's Latino. My mother is Filipino. I told my mom while I was in college and my dad actually didn't come out to him until probably about like three years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, How old are you? I'm 
22. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm 32. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you're, you're 18. <laughs> I'm 18. Mm-hmm. I just moved to the city. <laughs> so big. Those buildings are so tall. Yeah. It's crazy. It's, yeah. not, like, it's not like the pictures at all. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I came, I came out to him uh, way later in life out of fear of not being accepted and, and – uh, and you know, it was a that was a little bit of a personal challenge, but we're great. Everything is is great, and and I mean, he's he's an amazing father, and and so the your most mom, loving guy. your mom kept the secret. Yeah, I felt re- I you know in retrospect, I feel awful because that's such a terrible thing to put someone through to like have to give to put that pressure on my mother mm. to not share that with my dad. And believe me, there were many times where there were some close calls, and she would let me know about them. But, right. Um, but uh, yeah, get dressed I... <laughs> and tell Steve to get dressed too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's coming. Yeah. Yeah. This is George's b- friend, <laughs> roommate, classmate. He works for George. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. That that was uh Same that was partner? that was tricky, and mm-hmm. I I in retrospect I feel bad because I was that was a long time for her to keep that secret, but it's all out yeah. in the open, and and I'm a happy camper, and my and my father is the most loving man, and uh, we're good. We're solid. That's amazing. Yeah. I'm so glad. So you finished college. By the way, you have already played Seymour and George. <laughs> what do you aspire to when you've already played those roles? And to do them even... again professionally. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. You come to New York? <laughs> I come to New York. Yeah. I, so I had to get out of Florida. Mm, it's hot. No one wanted to hire me. Though. Why? I didn't have a single professional job during college. All of my classmates were booking summer stock after summer stock after summer stock, and no one would no one would hire me. By the way, all your three classmates. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) all three of them. All three, a seventy five percent success rate at the University of Florida. Just to be clear, Uh, and I, um, yeah, the saddest. You must have felt like, what's going on? I did at first. I was like, what's wrong with me? And then I was like, What's you know wrong what? With them? They're doing Carousel and Hello Dolly, mm-hmm. and I would stick out like a sore thumb. Uh, and so, so I was I was okay with it. And so, what I would do is come to New York because I knew this is where I needed to be. Yeah. So I would come to New York and I would intern. Uh, and so my first internship was with uh, Martian Entertainment. Martian. Martian Entertainment. Carl White and, and Tom Smeads. And then my second one was with Bono Brian Brown. Mm-hmm. And and I loved that internship, but I I learned so much about the business. Bono Brian Brown is a, they represent many many Broadway many shows, Broadway almost shows. all of them at any given moment. Yeah, yeah. And I learned so much about the business. You know, the the problem with going to school in Florida was that my professors know of New York when it was 1984, mm-hmm. and times were times had changed. You mm-hmm. know, Times Square wasn't a sex den anymore; it was right. cleaned up by Disney, and so. I didn't get much of of the real world training at school, but I I got it when I would spend time in New York, and it really prepared me for the my this big scary move to the big city. So you described yourself as a snacker watching Jerry Springer mm-hmm. after school, yeah. And I was picturing a more heavy set version of yourself. Oh, I was a tubby, tubby, chubby kid. Like, how much do you think you weighed in high school before? At, at at your heaviest, how much do you think you weighed? At my heaviest, I was uh, 240 pounds. And how tall are you? 5'10". And can I see a profile shot, please? <laughs> and the other side. And my social security number is... <laughs> do you have a passport? <laughs> Kiss of death. I always say the minute they ask me if I have a passport, it's like I did not get this job. Because they are not flying me anywhere. Because they have nothing to say to me if they're asking me if I have, like, do you have a passport in good standing? In mm, good standing. I'm not going. 
on this job that shoots in in the Czech Republic. I know, and that is what I really wanted. So, you are a very not heavy person. Who That's sits, very nice. Thank you who so sits much. Across from me, and I wonder when that shift happened. That shift happened when I started. So, so I moved to New York. Yes. Uh, I wait tables at Bubba Gump Shrimp Company. Allergic to shrimp. Well, that's good. Mind you. Because it kept you from, you know, from they, they only hired people who were allergic so that their staff would not steal their, exactly. their inventory. It's, it's, it's brilliant business. I went on tour with the Nonek. The, the, so this was my first job. big professional job was uh, the Nonek Tour Spring Awakening. Did you get it through backstage? Like, how did you get that job? Well, when I moved to New York, my college had a showcase in New York, and I met uh, my manager at the time. And uh, and then she got me uh, meetings with agencies and so and you I... came to New York with some representation. Yes, that's amazing. Yeah, it, that was in, <laughs> incredibly helpful. Yes, I've actually I've been with my with the same agents since two thousand eight when I moved up here. That's incredible. Um, Loyalty is important. It is, and they're and they're amazing people, and they have they have my back. And uh, but but yeah, I um I went on tour and continued to snack. I mean, it was like one nighter, so we were having meals at gas stations. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't really eating. I didn't well, have healthy options. Yeah. And then I got back from that, and then booked Godspell. And when we were doing Godspell on Broadway, on Broadway, that's not well. Let's finish this story and then go back to how you got Godspell yeah, on Broadway. Yeah. Okay. So you were still heavy. So I was still heavy, yeah. and um, and I was still eating whatever I wanted to eat. But that show is so physical, and I started. Losing weight without trying, without just trying, just because of the work, just because of the the amount of sweating and cardio that was happening in that in that show, and it wasn't until I started losing weight when I realized how much weight I actually had on my body and how much more you wanted to. Yeah, yeah, and it was crazy. I, I always I talk about how I feel like I have I had like reverse body dysmorphia, like where I would walk past a mirror and be like, I'm not big. Look at me, I look great. And then I look back at pictures and I'm like, Jesus Christ. Uh, well, what, what do you blam. think that is? Were you just happy? I was a, always a happy kid. Yeah. And, and, you know, it helps like having a loving family and, and food Delicious is important food. in both cultures. Yes. And so it was it was never even it was never it was never a thing. Mm -hmm. um, and your parents didn't make you feel self-conscious about it. No. Nope. My mom is she's a stickler for a good posture. And mm -hmm. so that's the that's the extent of it. She, right. she would say straight your back. Yes. Straight your back. George, I feel like I need to straight my back. Right I'm now. trying to yeah. all day today I've been like, straight your back, George. Yeah. Ergonomic desk chair. Yeah, this is not. This is the <laughs> IKEA. I feel like I even know the name of it. Um not the Jasper. But I know <laughs> I I have this at I, I have this chair. Okay. Yeah, so that's 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 when it happened was I, I was like, uh, okay. Let's this keep is going. something that I yeah, let's keep going. Let's see what happens. Mm -hmm. And it's been like a you know, it's been a, a rocky road. Do you have like an ongoing dialogue with and about food? Does this continue to be like a through line in your life? Or yeah, is it... when things get like tough, like I find a lot of comfort in mm -hmm. food, and so it's, it's delicious. It's delicious, yeah. And and so it's been it's been a little bit of a of a battle because it's it's interesting. It's like my weight kind of has fluctuated over the last couple of years based on what's happening in my life, mm -hmm. and so I find when I'm really thriving. It's like I don't even have to think about it, and then when I'm when I'm down on the dumps, I'm back to pizza rolls and Jerry mm -hmm. Springer. But yeah, yeah, that's how it all happened. Was just like doing a show where I was getting a solid workout eight times a week, and then look, catching my reflection and being like, "Oh, 
it's possible. I could I can change. The the want to change was not cosmetic. It was I want to be able to sing and hold a note out while doing something crazy with my legs. Right. And not have to run into problems with that. You want to so keep became, up with yourself. Yeah, it what? became like a health thing mm-hmm. and uh and and that's that and it continues to be that for me. So you got Godspell quickly oh, after Spring Awakening or not? Yeah, I got back in I got back in May of 2011 and uh and they made the offer in August of 2011. So Was that was a long process? 3 months. It was like being in an abusive relationship. Great. So they would have me in and yeah. then they would say it's it's going to be a no, sorry. And then, like, a week later, they'd be like, hey, can we see George again? What? It was, like, just the back and forth. And I think I went in, like, maybe five or six times for it. So was that just a team of passionate people who just were having a hard time making decisions and kind of the vision? I I think that, you know, the, the, the beauty and the magic, but also, like, the nightmare of casting a production of Godspell is that you need 10 people who can carry a show on their own. Right. And then... Together as an ensemble. It's so would they like pair you up and sort of do that sort of thing where you came yeah, in they, groups and yeah, they would mix um, and match. So the first audition was to prepare my own parable, and then the callbacks were group Wait, storytelling moments. I'm going to prepare my own parable. Yeah, they were like tell tell a parable, pick a parable. And were you religious growing up, or did you no. have like parables in your pocket? Oh no, 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 no. But they, they, you know, it was in the breakdown, and mm-hmm. and and then they would say, "Come in and tell the parable," as if you're telling it to a room of people who are uh, a combination of like deaf people and blind people and mute people, and try to find a way to kind of like appeal to all the senses with this storytelling. So what did you do? I did impressions. I went in and did a Gilbert Gottfried impression. I did an Aaron Neville impression, and I did... So you're good at impressions. Well, I'm good at four impressions. Remember, it was for (laughs) deaf people and blind people, so you're great at doing impressions. (laughs) That deaf people would not hear, (laughs) but the blind people would be like... What's he doing? Oh my God, Aaron Neville's here? (laughs) It's amazing. That guy's still alive? I thought we were just at a Godspell audition. (laughs) Is that Gilbert? Go- Gilbert, wait. Can you do a little Gilbert? Yeah, Gilbert. I'm gonna step away from the mic. Cause yeah, because I'm wearing. Because you don't want to like, scare me. I'm molting. It's just like you know. He's it. I did that. Did you like him growing? Was he a comedian that you enjoyed? Yeah, I loved the Problem Child movies. Mm-hmm. And he was like the villain in all those movies. And and I I just I I, I love that guy. And he then, has a I, podcast. Do you ever listen to his podcast? No, because that sounds like a not an easy listen. <laughs> I'm sitting across from you. I'm listening to your voice. I could listen to your voice all day. I would probably get through a minute George, of Gilbert Godfrey and I'd be like, what am I doing? This is terrible. This is terrible. He Gilbert, a- if you're listening, I also know for a fact that that's not his real voice. Did Howard you- Stern yeah. on air played a voicemail from Gilbert Godfrey. And, uh, he sounds like Clint Eastwood, doesn't he? In life. He's <laughs> he like, hey, he was like, uh, he, 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 the, the voicemail literally went, uh, hi, Howard. This is Gilbert. Uh, just calling to see if we're still on for four o'clock on Thursday. Give me a call back. Okay, bye. I mean, it's so soft-spoken, low, pitched really low. Fran Drescher about it. Mm-mm. Nothing. It's sort of like when you 
you know, Cindy Lauper or certain people when they're being interviewed, she's the opposite. So, yeah. like, when she would be on Letterman, she'd be like, I don't know, David, I just feel like. <laughs> and then she'd be like, see your truth. Right? You're <laughs> yeah. like, what's happening? Like, she's Betty Boop in person. And then in her art, it's like the most grounded. It's all confusing to me. I don't understand it's anything. It's interesting. It I, is interesting. I find, I find the careers of, uh, and it's normally a comedian who, uh, like Bobcat Goldwave, like these guys, it, 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 this was really prevalent in the 80s. And also with like a Sam Kinison, but I think Sam Kinison was Sam Kinison. Right. He screamed on yeah, and off he just, stage. Yeah. But it's interesting to me, these these guys who have who made really successful careers off of essentially just playing the same character in every job, which is what I do. No. <laughs> <laughs> which is why Michael's going to be in the bathroom for the next 50 years. You're going to be like Chaz Palminteri. There'll be like the movie and the one-man show and then the musical, and and you'll be like, I'm not doing the music. You know what? Actually, I am going to do the musical. My vocal cords will be long gone by the time that, that, that's, that that's possible. But he is, he's like, I just read that. He was on this show. He made me weep. Like, I, I thought, I'll have Chaz Palminteri on. Uh-huh. Okay, because he was with Bono, Brian Brown. Yeah. They reached out and they were like, would you like Chaz Palminteri? I was like, yeah, but had no thought. Like, I didn't feel like I'd come away going like, that's my new best friend. I yeah. thought, I want to hear about A Bronx Tale. Like, what an amazing, yeah. epic story that went from like, guy was like living on food stamps and now, you know, there are streets named after him yeah. in the Bronx. Anyway, but that was an example of someone who just in his telling his story. And so much of it also is about his parents. Yeah. Right? And just that connection and us just never wanting to stop making them proud. That's it. And that's it. And so those moments. When you said, I could cry right now, but when you said that thing about your mom holding that secret and that you felt like, in retrospect, you feel bad. Yeah. Like, I'm a mom, and I just want to tell you, I'm going to relieve you of any of that guilt or anxiety about that because we are really capable of loving our husbands and our partners and and being completely 100% in that relationship. But when you have a child, there's just something like her desire to protect you and love you, knowing full well she wouldn't have married someone who ultimately wouldn't be okay with it. Right. Your mother would never have been with him if he wasn't the dad that could have a gay son. Like none of that would have happened. Yeah. And she understood the time he needed and the time you needed. And I just want to like literally, I'm going to be your Snow that. White right now and your eye is going to stop bleeding forever <laughs> because I'm just telling you like- Well, but now it's tearing up. <laughs> that's okay. It's not blood. Yeah. And that's the other thing as a parent, just letting your kids know crying, it's just a feeling. Oh yeah. I cry. I cry too much. That's okay. <laughs> we have some idea that like one feeling is the right feeling and the other- I live oh, yeah, next no. to this couple and he's training, you know, he, he takes these vows of silence. Like he's the most successful advertising guy and also has this other life where he goes on like silent retreats for weeks at a time and is in training like wow. to be a mo- – like it's crazy that he lives these two lives yeah. beautifully at once. And I just learn little things from them in the elevator. Like I have no pay. I like can meditate for 20 seconds. And I'm <laughs> yeah. not, but anytime I ride in the elevator with him, I get like some little – beautiful gift. Yeah. And he was just like sad, happy. Who why is why is happy the one? Like yeah. they're just it's all good. Well, there's this amazing book. It's a an epic poem by Khalil Gibran mm-hmm. and it's called The Prophet. Mm-hmm. And it is something that I found in college and it it, it kind of became my bible. 
and uh, there's this amazing chapter on love, uh, happiness and sorrow. And he says that um, that the same cup that holds our happiness is the same cup that holds our sorrow. And you can't fill your cup with happiness uh, until it overflows with sorrow. Mm. And it's such a, a, a a beautiful thing to remember and ruminate um, on, right? Yeah, like whatever yeah. and, that means. and be okay when sadness and sorrow comes into your life. That it's that it's that it's just making room for more happiness to come. Mm -hmm. And I think you know, as an artist navigating a life in the city, it's it's so important to remember that all of all of this is just now, and tomorrow something incredible can happen. And uh, it's well, just... you said something that I've been holding on to because I, I think I've known for a few weeks now that we were going to sit down together. So I've just taken my time to sort of, you know, peel you like an onion and uh, see what I can find out there. And you said something about, which I think will be such a great takeaway, and it was for me, it is really hard to be kind to ourselves when things are not going well. Yeah. And someone had asked you the question about, you know, lack of success. We we all can feel great when there's success. And yeah. how do you hold on to yourself? And you said, I surround myself with really kind, wonderful people. Yeah. But I thought, like, God, it's so hard to be kind to ourselves. It is. It is so easy to be kind to other people. And that was no small thing that you said, to be kind to myself when I'm not working. Yeah. That's like the hardest thing on the planet. Well, I, I've, I've gone on quite the journey to find a way to exist in a way that where I'm always being good to myself. Mm -hmm. And it's been, uh, I, I love the journey. Uh, I love the journey so much. And so it's uh, it's taken some time to kind of, I'll pick up a book that someone recommends or I'll try putting crystals near my, near my bed. Uh, uh, I'll try anything, right? And then it's just a matter of kind of picking and choosing which things are actually working and, and, and are affecting you in a, in a positive way. Mm -hmm. And what I, what I love about what's happened with Be More Chill is that there are a lot of, of kids who have fallen in love with this show who are having a particularly tough time. And yeah. I, I can't imagine growing up right now. Yeah. Um, I can't I can't even fathom it. And I have uh, uh, three nieces and a nephew. Mm -hmm. And so you're you know, watching them navigate I'm watching this the, yeah, yeah. social and media I, world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and uh, and so it's it's. I'm I'm thrilled to have gone on my own journey and to be and when and when I'm asked things like that to be able to like share a little bit of of whatever has worked for me yeah. in hopes that maybe it'll work for someone else you know because it it took years yeah and and it never ends and it doesn't it end and I'm ends. still and I'm still navigating and I'm still yeah. learning and and uh, and now you're growing up in the same world as them right I mean it's all out there too and and how to protect yourself yeah like and we'll get to that so. You got Godspell because of your Gilbert Gottfried <laughs> impersonation, which is uncanny. <laughs> Thank you. Um, it, it was a torturous process of getting that job, yeah. it sounds like. To literally be told it's over, can we see George next week? Those are opposite yeah, sentences. Yeah, it was just like a yeah. back and forth. Right, and uh, to go in each time and not go like, guys, uh, you're hurting my feelings. Yeah. <laughs> Am I well, here to make you like, am I just here? Is this a game to you? This is my life. The last audition. I got there. I'm always early, mm -hmm. uh, and I got there an hour early, and I, they were running an hour behind. So I was there for two hours, and they were seeing new people. Uh, casting director was like, "Hi, nice to meet you." And I was like, "You've got." To I was actually like, me. "What? What's going on?" And then they, I, the last person went in, and um, 
Someone went out, grabbed Ken Davenport. He came in, walked into the room. The accompanist walked out. And I was like, what's happening? And so they brought me in, and Charlie Alterman, uh, amazing music director, uh, was like, come over to the piano, George. And he was like, let's play with keys for Light of the World. Mm -hmm. And we sang for... 10 minutes. Is that a song you had sung That's in what previous I... auditions for them? Or yes. Was this the first... yeah, okay, yeah. so you had started to do the material from the show. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, and then they were like, cool, thanks so much, George. And I walked out and was like, that went, biz that was bizarre. Mm -hmm. Like, the I don't know accompanist what just walked out, the producer walked in just to watch my audition, like, what's happening? And uh, I went to go see my friend Elizabeth Judd, who is in Hamilton now. And we had met doing Spring Awakening together. And she was at New 42. And I was like, can I come over? Can I come? I just want to, like, like unload what just happened. Yeah. So I go over there. And then I get a phone call. And, and it's my manager and my agent. And they said, you know what happens when your manager and your agent call We're you? We're dropping you. <laughs> both of us. Both, at we are done. <laughs> <laughs> and they and I um I just fell to the ground and started weeping in the middle of New 42. Sure. And I called my mom once I collected myself and she was with a patient at a nursing home. Uh and I told her and she just went ah! and she just screamed at the top of her lungs and I could only imagine right. much like all of the elderly. Yeah, just like being like what is wrong with this Asian woman? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she's oh, no, going they through knew. something. This Asian woman's son just got cast <laughs> in the Broadway revival of Godspell. Stephen Schwartz. Stephen <laughs> Ever Schwartz. heard of him? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so so that was the story of finding out about that. And there were some amazing people in that cast. Oh, my God. And we're all, like, such good friends still. It's – there's a – there's a and – I, and I find – you know, I, I, I do workshops with, uh, like, high school groups that mm -hmm. are doing Godspell. And, because um, of this experience, is mm -hmm. that something that grew out of this? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, like the last one I did was um, uh, up in Concord, New Hampshire. Concord High School was doing a production of Godspell, and I went in to kind of, you know, look at this what they were how, doing. This and is how it's done. This is how way. we did it. Sorry. That's terrible. <laughs> terrible. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so I would go in, and and, and the, the, the takeaway from it is that these kids are going to remember this experience for the rest of their lives, much mm -hmm. like it, much like I hold it so near and dear to my heart. And you create a family uh, because you really, I mean, you're in the trenches in that show. Mm -hmm. And and it just, the energy never, never ends, um, never drops. And, uh, and, and yeah, so we, I mean, all of them. I just saw Lindsay in Carousel and she was flawless and beautiful and incredible and, um, it's like seeing your sister up there. Yeah, right? she it's is like, like a sister feeling. to me, yeah. actually, yeah. So did that show, was that a successful experience? Did the audiences love it? Um, the audiences loved it. It's it, The audiences loved it. We had like mixed reviews from the critics. We got snubbed at the Tonys. It was, it was an, a very interesting experience because it was my first kind of like foray into commercial theater. Mm -hmm. And... Um, you know, if I'll speak frankly, like it, 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 the commercial aspect of it kind of it burned me a little bit. And when that show closed, I found myself kind of like nosediving a little bit. And that's when I started to pick things up and be like, okay, what I need to be better, right, to myself. And so that was kind of the the the. Um, so coming down from that. that show, like I've been on Broadway. Now what? Yeah. That was actually what what was going through my mind was like, you know, they they these people train you to look at Broadway like it's this the pinnacle of success. And so what I, I was watching the Jim Carrey documentary on Netflix and he says in there, he's like, you know, 
when you when you have everything, his outlook on it is a little a pessimistic. Skewed. Yeah. Uh, uh, for my taste, but he but he he kind of nailed it when he said, you know, like when all your dreams come true, what do you dream about? And so I was faced with that reality. Like, so wait a minute. So I'm just gonna for the rest of my life. Um, hope to get a job, do the job, it's going to close. And then, and then I have to mourn the loss of this thing again. And so it was a challenge to find a way to kind of be okay with how the universe works out and, and trust that everything is going to, everything happens for a reason. And there's always something around the corner. And do you feel confident in your gift? Uh, for a long time? No, I would say in the last three years, yes. Yeah. In the last three years, uh, the way I see myself is is a little different. So I'm meeting you in present day. This podcast is has been an extraordinary opportunity for me to start learning about people and things beyond my very small I love that. neighborhood. Yeah. So part of what happened is I've known Ben Platt for a really long time. Yeah. He played my son in a show. Then I went to see him in a play in the Berkshires. And it was The Black Suits, yeah. written by Joe Iconis, yeah. and Will Rowland yeah. was in that show. So then when Ben got Dear Evan Hansen, um, and I remember he came over, he was playing songs for me before he'd even gone to Washington. And I was like, we were both like, isn't this special? Yeah. <laughs> he's like, I think this is really special. I'm like, it is really special. And then he's like, Will Rowland, that guy from... Remember you came to see me in that show in in the Berkshire? Anyway, this whole thing. And so then Will came on this podcast and really started kind of teaching me about the Christmas show and Joe Iconis and Jen Tepper. And then it kind of like kept expanding. Like you throw a pebble in the water and it kind of ripples and circle and circle. So then I meet Jen Tepper and I'm just like kind of had heard of her and kind of heard of this remarkable group of books that she'd written and yeah. 54 Below. Of course, I've gone to see tons of friends do magnificent performances there. And I was like, oh, my God, these incredibly young people who are, like, never sleeping and doing so much to change the face of theater as we know it. And then I meet Joe. And then I'm like, he's at the center of this thing. Yeah. And then you, I'm going, oh, I saw that guy in Percy. Like, all this stuff is happening. Mm-hmm. But there is... um. All of us to say right now, there's um in in the zeitgeist of our New York City theater culture, there's this show called Be More Chill. Yeah. That when I talked to Joe, it kind of was the saddest thing. Like, here's this show that's nothing like Dear Evan Hansen, but enough from a producing standpoint to go, it's kind of like how would we how would we market it? Right. Like it's kind of like Dear Evan Hansen, right. just if you read the the cliff notes sure. of what the yeah, show's sure. about. And here's Dear Evan Hansen coming in after you guys had this remarkable experience and well-received production of it. Yeah. And it was all set to come in to New York, right? After I mean, hope, re- yeah, that we was what all, was going to happen. Yeah, yeah. So I, as you said, like, I wouldn't want to grow up now. My nieces, my nephew, I'm a mom. There are all these things about the internet that are devastating. Yeah. The flip side of that is there was this online frenzy to kind of yeah. have be more chill live, right? Yeah. That's they, my experience of it is I've researched it and kind of seen it. There's like, there's yeah. a movement. They they resuscitated a show that we all had grieved three years ago. We right. grieved over the death of this show. Yeah, it was, it, it all started 
literally 12 months ago. Uh, a He's year, looking at a, his watch. A year ago, a year ago, around this time, yeah. I had just closed Lightning Thief. You and, were amazing in it. Thank you. And I started to... I started to notice Eat. some rumblings. Eat. I was eating. I was eating pizza rolls and watching uh, old vintage episodes of Jerry Springer that I recorded on VHS in my black high hemmed <laughs> pants and white socks, and I was moonwalking to my couch. Yes, um. my post closing show ritual. It's how we all have our morning process. That's what we do. A uh, crystal by my head. <laughs> mine is mine is just very embarrassing. Yeah, no. Uh, it, I started n noticing kind of a rumble on the internet and i was confused as to whether this was lightning thief related because the because the show because lightning thief like developed quite also, a following because yes. of the percy jackson franchise and yeah. so there were all these percy jackson fans who hated the film and loved the music and loved the musical because we honored the intention of the book that's right um and and, and so, also because you were at the lucia lortel theater Guys, it's a smaller theater. How many seats are there? Uh, I think it's like 250. So when I came, it's packed. People are waiting outside. The stage door was like Hamilton. Like there was a real... It was nuts. Yeah. It was nuts. It was rock star um, feelings. And and so and so I was like, okay, well, Lightning Thief closed. And so maybe this is uh, people figuring out, a, finding out about the show late. And, yeah. then, and then I started getting tagged uh, on, on social media in, in fan art. Of be more chill. Mm. Um, so they're drawing Michael, not your Percy Jackson. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I was getting. So I I was already getting the Lightning Thief stuff, but like all of a sudden, I was like getting this like be more chill stuff, mm -hmm. and and then it and then it just kind of started and it never stopped, and um, over time, like I met I met the two kids who are kind of like responsible mm. for it. Uh, they run Presidents Tumblr the, accounts, uh -huh. and they. Um, they found this video of Michael in the bathroom. This uh, that from a fan a, had shot during a performance or something. No, you guys, no, there's that. no bootleg of it. Um, mm. It was a, a press preview performance at Fifty Four Below, okay. um, where I we were we were plugging uh, an Iconis and Family show at Fifty Four, and so Joe asked me to sing Michael in the bathroom. So, so that's the version. I mean, that's, that's the, the context. Yeah, okay. if you go back and look at it, yeah. I was in a, a, a dark moment in my life, and I was. Uh, she she put the weight back on. Okay, uh, she did. She did, and so um, but but yeah, they found this video and they it really like resonated. And then through through that, they found the album, and then it just exploded in a way like none of us had ever seen or or heard of or been a certainly been a part of. And it was like super. It was crazy. It was insane. And uh, is it all on Twitter? Is it where was it all happening? Initially, it was all like on Instagram. Instagram. Yeah, and I'm not on Tumblr. I'm 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 not that savvy. Right. And so, I uh, you know it's just LR. It, there's no E. <laughs> Tumblr. Uh, I'm over forty, so I'm like T U M B L E R. Like why aren't I? Why okay. Why are they showing me uh, washer dryer combos? <laughs> And gymnastics. I'm trying to look up, be more chill. Um, I became friends with this uh, with this woman, Ashley Latimer. And is she, that all online, or had you did you meet her? Or is I this met all... her in person. Okay. We worked we worked on the Lightning Thief together. Okay. And uh, As... and and she's like great with uh, she's like uh, great with social media. Okay. And uh, and so I was like, you know, this is insane. And, What's happening? And so she she kind of like helped kind of guide me and 
in, in how to handle it. Right. Yeah. Like in like meaning what? Well, respond to what this. I said, Don't respond to this. What or? I said to her was, I remember my first question was, is it tacky for me to like things that I'm being tagged in and to respond to things? Like, am I going to look like, op, you know, optically to people my 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 peers in the business? Am I going to look like a monster? Um, doing that because it, it it it's it's not really like a normal thing right um well it's all new for everybody it's all very new you and so want, everyone's how do I navigate kind of this? exactly yeah. and she was like no she was like if that's what you want to do you should 100% do it Meaning and not if, care about what people are going to think if you want to engage because these people are saying things that are lovely me or do you want to engage because maybe it'll help bring the show in like what was the what was the question really the question was the question do well, I relate to my fans online that's what it was okay at, at, at this Period. at this point Period. I was yeah the, no the end pos- game in sight yeah the right. possibility of bringing me more I mean again we 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 said goodbye that ship sailed mm-hmm. and and it was it was over and done with so we agreed that it would be like it would be a nice gesture to respond to things and like to say thank you yeah exactly just say thank you exactly and so it's a present and so it was like a thank you like because they're spending hours drawing and painting and you know making reproducing the costumes from hand and Mm -hmm. hand stitching patches and uh and and uh and so it it just kind of that's how it all kind of started and then and then it started then i started getting a lot of messages um that were like a little dark like I'm and, in pain. Yeah, and Can I and me? I got to I got to see um, why the show um, resonates with uh, with certain with certain people, and um, and that's when the responsibility became um, a priority for me. That that there are these kids who, and that's when I was like, I cannot imagine growing up mm-hmm. right now, and it was through me you know engaging with with these kids who just like really loved the musical yeah. and a lot of them were sharing stories of how the musical may have saved their lives mm-hmm. and that's when i realized that we were dealing with something that was bigger than anything i've ever been a part of and that it was really an honor to to get to reach out to these kids and talk to them. So at this point, all they're seeing is that one mm-hmm. video of you <laughs> singing Michael in the bathroom. Yeah, that's all and, that was out and there. And they've, they've extrapolated just from that one song a connection to themselves and to this character of Michael. Yeah. I remember when Ben was on, he was saying it's really tricky because he's in a show. Yeah. He's learning a lot about all sorts of things, as you do as an actor, mm-hmm. and people sharing their stories with him. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't a mental health expert. And also he had to, like, do a show eight times a week. Yeah. And really trying to navigate how to say thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, but still Handle keep... expectations. Right, right. And also go, this is the number for the Trevor Project. Yeah. Line. This yeah. is the number, if you're really in trouble, call... Nine one one. Yeah. Right. Like, like it's such a tricky thing. It is tricky. When yet your heart is just all compassion. But I, I could imagine since some of the themes are similar. Yeah. And what? Um, and so, right here's the contradiction: they're finding you because of social media. Mm-hmm. They're in pain in some way because of social media. <laughs> like it's all. Yeah. And yeah. just life. Life is hard for every generation. Yeah. These are hard years. Yeah. But the bullying component 
is you feel so impossible. exposed publicly yeah. 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 and and the way it it spirals right yeah. and that's i guess what we're talking about yeah. but how did they know from that one song that there's this show that kind of handles and unpacks so much of what they're feeling that one song generated that yeah they just they listen to it they i mean you you put out a tweet uh yesterday uh, yeah. uh and and i and i Aren't i was incredible? reading them and like i wrote what does the show mean to you yeah and it's it, it's not it's not well i like the i like the dancing right <laughs> you know that set that that's that costume change was re- how they do it right it's just it's at such a deep level it's crazy most of it is i was going through a really hard time mm-hmm. and i feel like this saved me mhm and and that's what I was trying to get at with you. Like what you're saying is what they've seen is one song. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless there's some bootleg copy of something going around or a sc- like an underground script that's there is being a, passed yeah, there, along. There's definitely or, a, there's definitely a, so there's, there's an some old stuff. draft of yeah. of a script on Tumblr, but um, without the e, without the e, uh, and it's it, you, no, it's it's crazy. So it's, how is it now? So it's a year. Since the beginning of like this online community rallying mm-hmm. to have more, mm-hmm. the 54 Below concert brought you guys together. I mean, they've gotten to see you in different, they get to see you and Joe Iconis perform, mm-hmm. but now they're going to get to see the show. Yeah. So how did that, and Jen Tepper is producing mm-hmm. and it's going to be at the Signature Theater. Yeah. Do you think that it's happening because of this online rally? Yes. Incredible. So when, there is the power of good that can when, come out of when it. When we announced the show was coming to New York, uh, I put out a tweet that uh, had the New York Times article attached to it. And I wrote from my heart, uh, look what you did. Uh-huh. You found this musical. You fell in love with this musical. This musical inspired you to make art and be creative mm-hmm. and express yourself. Mm-hmm. And now we're going to get to do this in New York City. So, I mean, the, it's it's the power it's of the people. And it is it is such a unique story. The story of how this is coming back is yeah. just – it's it's so unique and unlike anything else. Yeah. And that is why, you know, after our two-player game shows at 54 Below, Joe and I do a meet and greet. And, you know, the – the, our show, the cabaret itself, lasts seventy five minutes. Was this couple of months of of doing this show? Yeah. Was that the first time you've done time. that? Okay. Yeah, yeah. We decided that we needed to do a meet and greet because we were getting a lot of like requests, like, mm-hmm. "Can we meet you? Mm-hmm. If I bring you art, can you?" I mean, the the can gifts I... that we get from these kids is yeah. like, I have cried so many times during those meet and greets. I'm sure this girl Ringo brought uh, a book, and every page is like, if you're ever feeling down. Here are reasons why people love you. People have been bringing me like jars with note, handwritten notes from their the friends that because this is the other thing is these kids. So many of them have felt alone for such a long time, and the beauty of this show is that it has created a community. Right, and so now they're they're all friends. So one one person will say, "Well, I I'm going to go see two player game. Send me a note that you want to give George and Joe." Yeah. And then they stuff them in these little jars and give them to you and yeah. and like I go, I come home after, you know, the meet and greets. The last one we did lasted 2 hours. Right. And it's 2 in the morning and you can look through like <laughs> And I'm just yes. sitting in my room alone crying, being like this is the this is the sweetest thing and what did I ever do to deserve this like, kind George of like love? In my bedroom. <laughs> 
eating pizza rolls. Literally. Right. What a full circle. They're like magnificent people. They're they're all so, they're so full of love and light and Do you feel pressure now that you're doing it? Like now we have to so they've seen Michael in the bathroom. Is the whole show going to please them? <laughs> right? Like there's they're like it's like a monster thing, right? Like, it, it, yeah. we can make you, we can kill you, right? Yeah, like, it's yeah. like this crazy thing. No, there's definitely a little bit of pressure there, but I, it's it's definitely overshadowed by the love and excitement, you mm-hmm. know? Everything... Everything from these from these these kids is, is now it's it's all so positive. Did you meet Joe Iconis because you auditioned for his show, or were you brought into the Christmas sh- Jen family? Te- so Jen Tepper worked on Godspell. She oh, worked that's for right. Ken Davenport. That's where you first met. And Jen introduced us uh, after a preview once. So Joe and I uh, are releasing uh, our album Two Player Game, which is based on the show at Fifty Four Below, and uh, it the album drops. Uh, tonight at midnight Mm -hmm. and um, she wrote the liner notes for it and she sent us her rough draft and I was walking through Morningside Park and read it and just was uncontrollably crying because it was so beautiful but she she did she introduced us and she said uh, George Salazar this is Joe Iconis Joe Iconis this is George Salazar you guys should work together and then Joe invited me to do my first Christmas show in 2000. Uh, 13? 12. 2012. And, uh, and then it, that's how it all kind of started. So are you his muse? Is he your muse? Is it, what, what is it? Uh, I don't know about all of that. I think, I think Joe has like a a gaggle of muses. Uh Uh-huh. As someone who interprets other people's work. Mm -hmm. There's a, a click that happens when you, when you get a script or you get sheet music and, and, when something really like speaks to you and you relate to it and you know with Joe what I find the most impressive thing about his writing I think is like usually I have there are so many like gaps and blanks to fill as as an actor when you when you get work and with Joe I feel like I get I I look at it and all the work is done for me right so it's just it's just a matter of like living and, and opening your mouth and yeah. letting the voice come out. Yeah, and so there's this like, there's an ease to singing his stuff, um, not vocally. Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> uh, no, it's it's tremendously, it's, it's, <laughs> it's tremendously um, complicated. It's cha- it's, music it's challenging yeah. music, but but music writing but, <laughs> is that what you call it? That music writing is so complicated. Yeah, uh, it's complex music. Yeah, yeah, no, but I just think we have a a nice uh, partnership and. We obviously we obviously are friends outside of that world, and so it's just an enjoyable collaboration. And you know, Joe changed my life because mm-hmm. prior to Joe, like no one ever saw me doing anything dramatic or serious. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know, having made my debut in New York in Godspell, I, you know, I I feel like for a, for a while I was like. Ah, oh, that's George. He's a clown. Like mm-hmm. he's funny, mm-hmm. and so Joe gave me the opportunity with with Be More Chill to um, flex a different muscle that people were not well used to, to break our hearts. I mean, <laughs> it's heartbreaking. It's it's heartbreaking. It's beautiful, and it's Thanks. heartbreaking. So, how are we all going to get to hear Two Player Game? Well, Two Player Game releases digitally. Uh, so I go to iTunes, iTunes, Amazon, any kind of like online. Wherever digital music is available. Is, is sold, yeah. Uh, and so at midnight uh, on Friday the 11th, 
so of it, May. Of May. So 2018. It'll, it, it'll probably already be out by the time this podcast uh, yeah. is released. Unless I can get it out in the next five minutes. <laughs> I'm, I'm fast. So when you say liner notes, like when you download music from, like, how do I, how do you get the liner notes? There'll be a booklet. I, you know, I don't, I don't know the specifics about the the booklet that will be released digitally. Okay. Um, but um, at Two Player Game, um, we have two shows in May. We've made those album release okay. shows, and um, uh, Ghostlight Records. Kurt Deutsch and Greg Brunswick, they're amazing people. I still cannot believe that we... And he I, did Godspell, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's I how he met. And he did yeah. the, the Be More Chill yeah. uh, album. This is a great story. I was uh, I was filming us listening to tracks at the end of the recording day. And of I which? was Of two-player two player game. Okay. And I was so annoyed with myself because every five seconds, I just wanted to hear watching the videos back I wanted to hear the tracks and I can't hear anything because every five seconds I just kept being like you guys thank you so much this is unbelievable like <laughs> I was like well you just cool it George you're here they get you're it yeah we did it they We're get it here. but I just I am like 100% just uh, so um, indebted and, and 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 grateful that they gave us the opportunity to, to do this and to record it now I mean it's it's crazy I've known Kurt Deutsch for a very long time. Kurt was an actor. Mm-hmm. He, I mean, you're always an actor yeah. before he became an entrepreneur and also like, you know, he's a, a lay, o- Oceana, some amazing wine as yeah, well. Yeah. But um, I feel like the last time I saw him in an acting capacity is he was in the waiting room auditioning for Snoopy for your good man, Charlie uh-huh. Brown. Like when I really think about the last time I kind of saw him and then he's gone on to kind of shepherd through one incredible cast recording after another. Um, before we go, I'm just going to ask you to sing like the very first, like the very beginning of I of play rehearsal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um my favorite. I sing it all the time. Well, we just so Theater Mania just released a sneak peek of the track, so okay. it's on TheaterMania.com. Okay, right so now, I can listen but, to it all yeah. day. Um, but uh, yeah, it goes. Uh, I love play rehearsal because it's the best because it is fun. I love play rehearsal and I get depressed. As soon as it's done. But not depressed is in like kill yourself depressed. No, I'm not into self-harm. Dude, I swear here, check my arm. See, I just used the word to emphasize the point. Show the passion that I got. I am passionate a lot. I've got mad gigantic feelings, rad and frantic feelings about most everything. Like gun control, like spring. Mm. Like if I'm living up to all I'm meant to be, I also have a touch of ADD. Is that a security camera? (laughs) There it is. (laughs) George, thank you. Thank you. This was such a, I don't know, all joy. All joy. AJ. AJ. All joy. I feel the same way. Until next time. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. If you want more information about my guests, go to the website littleknownfactspodcast.com.
I also wanted to tell you that there is now a new addition to the website. It is a button that says Contributions. This podcast is a true labor of love, and I really, really want to keep doing it for a long time. So if you like listening as much as I love to do it, please feel free to contribute. It would mean the world to me. Also, on Twitter, you can find me at Alana Levine. Instagram is Little Known Facts Podcast. And on Facebook, Little Known Facts Podcast. You can also feel free to rate and review the show on the iTunes show page. This podcast is recorded at Hangar Studios in New York City. This episode was brought to you by Pro Media. Located in Times Square, Pro Media offers both production and post production services out of its beautiful studios in the heart of New York City. Pro Media Sound Vision. Find out more at promedia.nyc. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.